0: Welcome to Disciple-Making Mama, a podcast to encourage, inspire and equip you to make disciples in your home and in the world. Hello and welcome again to Disciple-Making Mama. I am... So excited and so thankful that you are listening again to this episode in this new season, I'm kind of calling it, I don't know, it just kind of happened <laughs> that there was a baby break in between, so I decided, well, all the all the podcasts until now, all the episodes, I suppose they're season one and I suppose this is now season two, although that all sounds a lot more professional, Than it actually is because I am just sitting here in my living room looking out on my messy room, having my very messy kitchen in the back. And yeah, all three kids are having a bit of quiet time. Nanya, my youngest, who's three months old and in the middle of a bit of a growth spurt, is sleeping. And I've just put Fuka and Ayumu, my three-and-a-half-year-old, and two-year-old two in their room, um, where they're going to have a bit of quiet time, and usually they they read some books, and then eventually they fall asleep. So that gives me the opportunity to talk to you. And as I've been thinking about you guys, I was thinking, how would I feel if I were the recipient of this podcast and I think I would be very tempted to feel under pressure and to react in a very legalistic and works-oriented way to someone who wants to teach me how to make disciples in my specific season of life and I thought I I just want to address that before we yeah go go into other topics again almost do a bit of a uh an overview again of why why did I start this podcast especially for you if you are new to this podcast I've seen that I'm um now actually also on a few other um I don't even know how you call that. I'm German, by the way, for those who, who don't know me. Maybe I'll start by by introducing myself because I see I'm now on a few other platforms. I guess that's how you call it, um, like Spotify and so on. Um, and so maybe you are um, listening to this podcast through those providers and are new to this or maybe um, yeah, you, you come to this through some other channels, but yeah, anyways, my name is Anne. I am, as I said, originally from Germany, but I grew up in Africa as a missionary kid and then, um, later became a missionary myself. This is cutting the sh- the story very short, but yeah, became a missionary to South Africa where I met my husband and we have then been missionaries in Japan, for the last few years together and our family has um, grown in Japan through adoption and now with our last child, our own pregnancy. And as you can hear from, from my background already, from my biography, I am eager to make disciples. I want to obey Jesus who commanded us. To make disciples. But when I became a mom, it really rocked my boat a bit in when it comes to making disciples, because until then, making disciples had been very much uh, um, a ministry, uh, something I I do for work kind of something um, I do at specific times of the week, something that I can prepare for very specifically. But now I was suddenly a mom and I didn't have the time and capacity and ability to do that to that extent, at least, anymore. And I think I I shared most of my story in the second episode of this podcast. If you want to listen to it in more detail, you can go listen to the episode that's called Wholehearted. But basically, I realized I cannot um, continue making disciples as I did before having kids. And yet, nowhere in the Bible are we told, oh, if, if you have kids, of course, um, you're exempt of Jesus' command of making disciples. And I also discovered that as moms, we actually have amazing, unique opportunities to connect with other people, especially moms and children, and to evangelize them, to share the gospel with them, and to help them grow up into maturity in Christ, which are the goals of discipleship. When Jesus told us to go and make disciples, he told us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which kind of summarizes, I think, helping them to be born again. And in order to be born again, first they have to be evangelized. And then he told us to teach them to obey everything that he has commanded, which then is that part of helping them grow up in maturity in Christ and yeah, discipling them. So I realized as a mom, I have a lot of opportunity to do exactly that and yet it has to look a little bit different. It has to be part of my life. It has to be part of who I am rather than something I do at certain times of my week. I'm not quite sure if that makes sense yet. I hope during this episode um, I'll be able to, to sketch a bit more of a picture of what that looks like for me and what that could look like for you as well so yeah as I said I've been thinking a little bit about you and wondering how would I receive uh, the, the message of this podcast hey you as moms you have your uni- unique opportunities to go and make disciples and yeah I might feel a bit under pressure I might say are you serious In these crazy times that our world is in at the moment, a lot of people having their family lives really turned upside down, being a lot more busy, being a lot more under stress than usual. And in the season of motherhood that is inherently stressful and busy, you are telling me to also make disciples. Are you serious? Are you crazy? And... I'm addressing moms here but I I know that some people are, are listening who aren't moms yet and you you might feel the same about your season of life are you serious I'm working a really demanding job then you still want to make want me to make disciples on top of that how's that supposed to work and yeah I I hope that through this episode I can take a bit of the pressure out of that um, consideration out of those thoughts and instead open your eyes and give you a bit of a vision for the freedom and the opportunities that I think we are given as Christians in any season of life as we pursue to make disciples because I want to suggest to you an integrated a whole life, a real life style of discipleship, not a kind of discipleship that is only focused on meeting for Bible study at certain times of the week, um, going to a church building and doing a course there, um, and a, a style of evangelism that is at certain times um You might go out as a group and very specifically go out to pray for people and evangelize people. Those things are fine and good. But I think one reason why many of us are actually struggling so much to make disciples is that we're struggling to integrate that into our lives. And I think that doesn't have to be like that. I I think discipleship can happen as a part of our daily lives and as part of our lifestyle. But in order um, for discipleship to become part of our lifestyle, I do think we have to um, think about our lifestyle very carefully, which is what I want to be speaking to you about today. So some people would say, oh, you're talking about friendship evangelism, meaning, oh, you, you know, you just... Um, evangelize your friends, which I wanna say yes and no to, because I've seen that sometimes. And hear me right here. I'm not criticizing, but I'm just trying to explain to you what what I'm trying to give you a vision for. Um, friendship evangelism can be that, um, and I've done this in the in the past as well, much to my shame almost. It can be that, that you, make desi- uh, you make friends um, and you kind of, um, you know, you, you, you try to be a really, really good friend for them. But actually you have a bit of a hidden agenda because at some stage you want to say, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian and let me tell you about Jesus. So there are two things about that that, um, that that I'm not quite comfortable with. One is this thing of um, making friends with a bit of an agenda. I think if somebody befriended me and after a while said, well, you know, I'm a whatever, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Buddhist and I would really like you to become a Buddhist as well, I would feel a little bit used. I would feel like that person is maybe not very genuine in their friendship to me. And I don't think I would be very eager to become a Buddhist. And I am guessing that people feel the same if we do that from a Christian perspective. The second thing that I don't Um, feel comfortable about in this approach is that that you try so hard to be a good friend to be non-offensive to you know really gain somebody's trust and then you share the gospel with them is that um, that is actually not a very effective way shall I say to make disciples because um, yeah why would you why would you wait so long so what I'm suggesting is you just carry your love for Jesus and your obedience to Jesus, um, you know, super obviously into the world. I don't know if I'm making sense. But, you know, not not trying to first make friends and then say, oh, by the way, I'm also a Christian. But hey, let everybody know that you love jesus that you follow him that you experience him in your life daily that he speaks to you through his word and through his spirit that is a really great way to evangelize because it is um yeah you'll you'll just share whenever there's you know obviously not being awkward or not being um you know shoving jesus down people's throat But just if you make it your goal to be very upfront with your experience of Jesus and your faith in Jesus in all your conversations, that can be a great way of evangelizing. And people will immediately know, oh, this is a Christian. And if they're open, if their hearts are ready to receive the gospel, then they will ask more questions. I'm talking, I'm calling this um, sowing broadly or actually A lot of people are calling this sewing broadly or switching on the light. And if you want to hear a bit more about that, then I would encourage you to check out the previous episodes that carry that name sewing broadly. And then I think there's also one called broad sewing stories where my husband and I share some of our stories that we just like to share with people because there are experiences and we've experienced that people respond really openly as we just share our our stories but then also in your friendships to just be super open about hey i'm a christian and of course i would love for you to become a christian as well but um yeah i you know not not being kind of insincere in your friendships but not not using your friends as objects of evangelism but um yeah just being very upfront about um who jesus is in your life who jesus can be in their lives but not in a in a kind of impersonal way um so other people might say, oh, so you're talking about lifestyle evangelism. That's also kind of a buzzword among people who who want to make disciples. And if those terms don't mean anything to you, please don't worry. I'm yeah, just using them as examples. Now, people who say they, they want to practice lifestyle evangelism, um, I identify with them a lot because the things that I've just described to you, they... They sound like that, right? That you just have a lifestyle of sharing Jesus, of living according to his word and um, being very eager to share about why you're living according to his word and why you are in a relationship with him and what it means for you on a daily basis to be in a relationship with him. The only danger that I see if if you say, oh, I want to practice lifestyle evangelism is that it can become a little bit um skew at times if you think you will only convince people of the reality and truth of the gospel and encourage them to make jesus their lord only by your lifestyle we are encouraged obviously and and commanded in the bible that our lifestyle should reflect our beliefs. And yet, our lifestyle is not sufficient for people to come to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So people still have to hear the gospel. So if our lifestyle, evangelism, does not include us sharing the gospel, sharing the word of God, then we cannot expect people to come to faith through that. So I would just add a little bit to that um, idea of evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism must include a preaching of the gospel and a very natural preaching of the gospel. I am not telling you to, um, you know, preach at your friend over coffee for an hour, but, you know, Share the Word of God with her, be it through actual Bible studies. And one way to, to do that very well, I believe, is through Discovery Bible study, which you can also check out in previous episodes, or just through the Word of God that is stored up in your heart. And then that will give um, yeah, the people around you the opportunity to to gain that faith that comes by hearing. So, yeah, why am I suggesting this kind of evangelistic discipleship lifestyle? Well, I've already shared a little bit from, yeah, about where where this is coming from in my personal life, that becoming a mom, I just realized I cannot compartmentalize discipleship and evangelism. It must be part of my life if it is to continue in the season of life. But beyond that, I also believe that it is simply obedience. As I said, Jesus told us to go and make disciples. And yeah, I just find this a very... Um, doable way of obeying jesus if i integrate making disciples in my everyday lifestyle it's also practical as i've already shared in in our busy lives um if we yeah do do disciple making as just part of who we are as part of life then yeah it's it is just very practical. We don't have to find a kind of another um, slot in our busy schedules for for evangelism, for example. If we just have a lifestyle of evangelism, if we seize every opportunity to speak about Jesus, about what he did for us and for everybody who believes in him. And then we don't have to, um, yeah, find find specific slots of time for that so it's also practical in um you know it it makes our discipleship very practical I've recently um spoken to a friend of mine who who asked me for some advice because um a friend of hers is struggling to become pregnant and she would really like to have a child so she is considering in vitro fertilization now part of that is that um, more embryos are being created than will most likely be implanted into the mother and then that causes quite an ethical problem what would you do with those embryos. And my friend who told me about this friend, sorry, this is a bit complicated, um, was quite surprised that her friend hadn't thought about those ethical implications and problems. And she said to me, you know, because she's been discipled, why would she not think about this? And so I asked her, what do you mean with she has been discipled? And then she told me, well, she's gone through this booklet of her particular church. And she even had a mentor, and they worked through this whole booklet. And after 10 sessions or so, she's been discipled. So how can she now not um, think about in vitro fertilization in a godly and biblical way now that she's gone through this booklet? Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I think they're wonderful booklets. I think um, this can be a wonderful part of discipleship, but it is not sufficient. This lady obviously um, gained a very, again, a very compartmentalized understanding of what Christianity is, of what following Jesus is. She thinks... um, that her, yeah, the, the way she's falling pregnant and what happens to the embryos that she's creating while trying to become pregnant has nothing to do with Jesus, that he has nothing to say about that. And I think that comes from a style of discipleship that is very compartmentalized, that only focuses on topics that are in a little booklet but if we in our discipleship show Jesus is part of our lives, he ought to be part of every area of our lives. He ought to be Lord of every every area of our lives. Even if something like in vitro fertilization might never come up in our specific discipleship conversation, we will impart an understanding to the people that we're discipling of Jesus and obeying Jesus has to do with my whole life. I see this person who's discipling me integrating Jesus into their whole lives. I see this lady cooking and Jesus is part of her attitude towards cooking. I see this lady going for a walk with her kids and Jesus is the reason of how she um, you know thinks and acts and speaks while she's going for a walk with her children so if we practice an integrated um, way of discipleship in our whole lives we can also impart that bitter to the people that we are discipling so yeah and lastly why why do i think this is a good way of making disciples to do it in a more shall i say informal way but don't hear me wrong informal does not have to mean non-committed because i see very committed discipleship relationships in the bible i see paul being very committed to timothy i see jesus being very committed to his disciples but I see that they did life together. And maybe that is a good summary to to describe what what lifestyle of discipleship and evangelism I am suggesting to you, doing life together, to set up your life in a way that Jesus just shines through in everything and that if somebody walks with you, they will automatically... Of course, not automatically, they still have a free will, they still must obey. But you know, they, just as the disciples walked with Jesus and they saw his lifestyle, they were just learning about God, they were becoming more obedient to God, they were growing in their faith, they were growing in their maturity in Christ, becoming more and more like Jesus. And this happened as they did life together. And that is what I want to suggest to you. Mm -hmm. A style of discipleship where you do life together. And yeah, setting up your life in a way that enables that style of discipleship. I think we don't only see it in Jesus, we also see it in people like Paul who can write something to the church in Thessalonica Thessaloniki, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> in the letter 1 Thessalonians, where he says, you, you know, you saw, we shared our very lives with you. We see that Paul didn't just come there to preach, although he did preach. We see that Paul didn't just come there to perform miracles, although miracles happened and confirmed the message that he preached. But we also saw, see that he shared his very life with the people there and that is what we want to emulate so yeah how can we set up our lives in such a way maybe i'll just share a few of the things that have become important to me in the last weeks as we are um settling in in south africa we have returned from japan recently and now yeah we're in a very different um of um occupation we're no longer professional missionaries my husband is working full-time in uh, as an electronic engineer i am full-time at home with our three kids and yet we still see ourselves as disciple makers and we are um very we want to be very purposeful in setting up our lives in a way that enables that so let me just pass on a few lessons Briefly, (laughs) I don't want to talk too long, Um, of what I have found helpful in that. Number one, rest and time to restore. This might seem almost a little bit counterintuitive because isn't this about, um, you know, being available to people and... Um, putting our lives out there for everybody to see and oftentimes rest and time to restore, especially for introverts like myself, actually means not meeting people, not having other people around me, but carving out time where I can be alone, where I can reflect, where I can sleep as a mom, especially to a three-month-old. Sleep is really, really important. But I am learning that... This has to be part of my lifestyle. Otherwise, it is not sustainable. And also, it is not godly because God made us that we need rest. I've recently listened to a message about creation and it never struck me before. But did you ever realize that God created Adam? And the first thing that he told that Adam was doing was having a day of rest together with God. And out of that rest together with God, he then went about his work and started obeying the command that God gave him to name all the animals and subdue the earth. So the same with us. We need to take time to rest and to restore. So for me, practically, that looks like yeah sleeping <laughs> early uh taking a nap almost every day um it also means that I, I read I and I you know I read just something for fun. I, I read a, a good book that nourishes my soul and my imagination and just gives me rest and gives me restoration. I so I drink coffee by myself in the afternoon when the kids are in bed. When I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to make myself a nice cup of coffee and sit down and just be quiet and rest and be restored. And I told you in the beginning of this podcast, my kitchen is really messy. My whole house could really need do with a mop And maybe there will be time for that while the kids are still asleep. I don't know. But I know that I need this time of rest in order to be a good disciple maker for my kids and for whoever comes across my path still during the day. So yes, that is part of building a disciple making lifestyle. Make time to rest and to do things that restore you. Then prioritize time with Jesus. However you manage to do that, don't do it religiously. As moms, I think we um, our, our days look different every day. We might have this great plan to spend an hour with Jesus in the morning and then we have a really rough night with a teething baby or our toddlers somehow are very energetic and decide to wake up at five in the morning when we had now gotten ourselves out of bed thinking that's the only time we can have some good Bible study. Be, you know, don't be uptight about it. Don't, don't be legalistic about it. But just prioritize getting into the word, getting into prayer, getting into an awareness Of the presence of God with you. This is not in order. To earn anything. But this is just in order for you to. Live out. That relationship with Jesus. That we want to share. About. In our evangelism. That we want others to grow in. In our discipleship. So we ourselves must grow in that as well. And yeah as I said. Be pragmatic and practical and um you know do it do it in a suitable way for the season that you're in my recent ways have been that i struggle to wake up before the kids wake up maybe two mornings out of 7 in the whole week i managed to get up 15 minutes before Any child is awake. And those mornings are wonderful because I can just be quiet. I usually spend some time just worshiping Jesus, praying in tongues, just focusing on him, letting, yeah, being with him, simply being with him. But on the other mornings, something happens and that does not work out. And then what I often do is that I would either cuddle into bed with one of my toddlers who enjoys that a lot and listen to an app called pray as you go so if that is um useful for you (laughs) go check it out it's a Um, an app that basically gives you uh, a song each day a bible passage each day and then they ask some questions reflecting on the bible passage while there's some music playing and that just really helps me to connect with God through his word and to get into prayer as I think about those questions and as I'm doing that as I say I'm cuddling in bed with my toddler other mornings not even that is possible. And the day just starts with, if my second born Ayumu wakes up first, he basically wakes up and the first thing on his mind is breakfast. He (laughs) needs food as soon as his feet hit the ground. So on those mornings, there is no wonderful, quiet, reflective time in the morning, but then often I would... um, later than just sit on the couch with the kids and maybe again listen to that app or listen to some worship music or um listen to a bible story for kids that's um also on on some uh podcast or something like that and just connect with jesus in that way um yeah worship music is another way that i, I just um connect with jesus both in in worship and adoration, remembering who he is, what he did for me, and yeah, just just telling him that that he's so worthy of my of my worship and of my praise, and yeah, through that, growing in my relationship with him, and connecting with him. Um. Yeah. I also, um, often in the afternoons. It, if I have time or as I wash dishes or so, I like to listen to some brief teachings. I, um, My husband and I always, before we fall asleep, we listen to a sermon together. As in, you know, we're we ready, we brushed our teeth, we kissed each other goodnight. All of that happened. And then basically as we fall asleep, we are listening to that sermon. So maybe if we're very tired, we only get five minutes or three minutes of that sermon. If we're less tired, we get Uh, more and we're edified and our minds are just filled with the truth of god with teaching about his word and that just helps us mature in him um often i'm i'm those are often the times that are most challenged and convicted by god and where i can respond in prayer as i fall asleep and yeah again you you hear me here right this is this is not some huge extended crazy thing this is five minutes maybe 10 maybe 15 minutes every night but it is um creating a lifestyle of being in the word being under good teaching that then reflects hopefully (laughs) more and more in my personality in the way i speak um because um yeah, that is what my mind is filled with, and the Bible tells us what our hearts are full of, our mouth overflows with. So, yeah, as we build a lifestyle of disciple-making, let's make sure that our hearts are full of the Word of God and full of conversation with Him. Um, also, prayer. Um, I want to encourage you to, to not make prayer a legalistic thing, but a um. Uh, a conversation with the Lord throughout the day about everything. I cannot tell you how often my two year old is having a tantrum and I just say, Lord, help me. Um how often I even, you know, random things. I'm I'm in the shop and I'm saying, Lord, what is um what is a good way of of approaching shopping, of approaching meal planning? I'm gonna talk a bit about that just now. Um yeah, just converse with the Lord all the time but then I do have because there are specific things that I want to be very committed to praying for that's my husband my children um, people I'm discipling people I'm um, sharing the gospel with a few things like that I want to be very committed about in my prayers so I have envelopes (laughs) that I wrote those things down. So it's just a stack of envelopes. It doesn't have to be envelopes. It can be cards. I just had envelopes around (laughs) when that idea struck me. And I wrote those prayer requests on there. So for example, I would write on there Fuka, my oldest daughter. And then um, I just kind of shovel through the envelopes throughout the day. I have them on in a prominent place in my kitchen. As I walk past there, I see, oh, Fuka. And I pray for Fuka. I ask the Lord for wisdom. I ask the Lord if he has any instruction for me as I'm raising her. And then I just put that envelope in the back. And then the next thing, the next prayer request comes up. Maybe this podcast. So I pray about the podcast. I pray for you. I, um, yeah, just integrate prayer in my life in that way i don't know if that works for you try it out um yeah another way in which i'm trying to build a disciple making lifestyle also might seem a little bit counterintuitive at first i am becoming more and more committed to not doing too much to know my capacity and know my priorities Actually, I think I have a, a quite low capacity, especially when it comes to people, because I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm also very sensitive. I'm very invested in people. So if I have too many people in my life, if I spread my th- myself too thin and just, you know, go on too many social events, just do too much socially, I am burning myself out. And my relationship with the Lord suffers, my relationship with my husband, with my kids suffers, and actually I am not a good disciple maker, although I might be more social and more out there. So I have to learn that because my priority is to share the gospel and to help other people mature in Christ, I might have to say no to some social events to some social engagements to some regular things that would just bring me among a lot of people that would actually burn me out and yeah I want to encourage you if you have a similar personality to do that without guilt without feeling pressure from um, you know a, a social pressure but even a pressure of oh but who am I going to evangelize then if I'm not out there Trust the Lord. If you are available, he will bring people across your path. But in order to be available, you also must, you know, not not overwhelm yourself. So, yeah, I'm saying no to a lot of activities, um, especially concerning my kids. Um, I don't do any outside activities. What I mean, like regular um. Play group or uh, play dates or anything like that at the moment because at the moment I don't have capacity for that. Um, for me, it also meant leaving social media because I saw it's just um, I'm spreading myself too thin if I'm on social media and I'm involved in too many people's lives. So again, this is not um, a legalistic thing. But this is what is helping me um, as I, yeah, really want to be a disciple maker, but also need to know my own capacity and my own priorities. So that might look very different for you, but I want to encourage you to, to be sensitive to that. What is your capacity? And the Lord can override your capacity, but not long term he he also made you with this capacity and he he doesn't want you to burn yourself out and yeah consider your priorities and what is hindering you to obey jesus and make disciples um yeah also going along with that is that that i'm trying to to simplify things in my daily life so that I can do what's really important to me, which is obeying Jesus, loving Jesus, being in in relationship with him, being in communion with him, and doing the things that I see him doing, prioritizing the things that I see him prioritize. So again, <laughs> just a random little example from me, for you, that might look very different to simplify your life in order to have capacity to make disciples. But for me, it means that basically every week I have more or less the same meal plan because I can get, you know, my mind can get really busy every day trying to figure out what am I going to cook today? And this is maybe a really silly housewifey thing, but <laughs> I realized my mind can get too preoccupied figuring out what am I supposed to... What's for dinner? You know, that famous question, what's for dinner? Can preoccupy my mind too much. So basically, I don't know. Mondays, we're having chicken and rice. Uh, Tuesdays, we're having pasta. Wednesdays, we're having uh, potatoes and mince and whatever. Fridays, we're always having pizza, homemade pizza. And it's, I'm also a creative person, so I would also... You know, again, know yourself. I would not enjoy eating the same thing every single Monday. But knowing, oh, Monday is, say, rice and chicken day. Well, okay, I'm going to cook the rice. Let me make the chicken in a different way each Monday. But I'm not going to think the whole of Monday. Oh, shall I make chicken or shall I make uh, beef or shall I make uh, this or that or whatever? Anyways, that is a silly little example of how I am simplifying my life, but I want to encourage you to find your own structures that help you simplify life, that your mind can actually dwell on the things that are important to you. And food is important to me. It is important for me that my family eats healthy. But therefore, I sat down once, made a meal plan, and I'm now not having to sit down every single day figuring out what's for dinner um all right um yeah another another thing that um i have done in order to um yeah practice a disciple making lifestyle is that having moved here now having moved to a new place i very specifically prayed for people um that will disciple me for people that i can disciple and for people that i can share the gospel with and walk a road with um towards salvation um and yeah that that makes me number one it makes me pray for those people number two it, um, yeah, it, it puts me in a, in a good place where, sorry, now I confused myself here. Um, <laughs> so let me just describe what I did. That, that, that will make more sense. Um, I prayed for godly women who would invest into me. And we've only been back in South Africa for two months now. And God has already given me three ladies who are all older than me. They have very different backgrounds, but I consider them my mentors, my disciples. They're people, they're women that I um, see as my example, that I want to um, emulate, that I want to learn from, and that is helping me in my disciple-making lifestyle because it it puts me in a discipleship relationship, so I'm already. Yeah, you know, I think it's a it's a very healthy thing to be in a discipleship relationship yourself and disciple others. We see that it is um, biblical. Paul was discipled by Barnabas, and he then went on to disciple Timothy, for example. He had a lot more people in his life, um, but I also see that receiving from those three women I am a lot more ready to pass on what I receive from them so it's again that thing what your heart is full of your mouth overflows with if I've spent an afternoon with one of those ladies I'm just so full of God of his word of practical applications in my life that whoever I talk with in the following days will just hear that And yeah, therefore, I would encourage you pray for women like that and take initiative. I've recently been so encouraged by someone who just by two people actually who simply took initiative and said, "Hey Anne, I would like to um, be a bit of a of a little sister to you. I would like to spend time with you and learn from you." um, in Informal situations, but also in a bit more formal way, maybe as we sit together and maybe do some specific Bible study or go through a specific book. But especially in that informal way, I would just like you to invest into my life. And I have been so encouraged by people approaching me in that way. And so I want to encourage you to approach women who you admire and, yeah, ask them to invest into your life in the same way. And just a little um, note there. Those women, of course, they're not going to be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. And that's why we want to spend a lot of time with Jesus. But don't, you know, stop yourself from um, approaching somebody because they're not perfect. But if in one specific area, for example, if you think, man, that's just a great mother, or wow, she's just a great disciple maker, or wow, I just admire her intimacy with God. I want to learn from her. Approach that woman. Tell her that you admire that part of her life and ask her to invest in you, especially in that area. And then I've also prayed for for very specific people that I can invest into. And I'm praying just for opportunities to um so widely um yeah which brings me to um my last two points um in all of this i think what becomes obvious is that in order to have a disciple making lifestyle we should not have a sacred secular split in our thinking I think I've mentioned this before. There's this great book by Nancy Piercy, um, Total Truth. I think it's Total Truth. I'm sorry. I'm going to put it in the description, um, the exact title. But anyways, she she talks about uh, many Christians having the sacred-secular split, that their Christianity is compartmentalized. Jesus is part of their vocabulary, part of their thinking, part of their focus in certain areas of their lives. But then they go to work or they um, go to a play date or or they go shopping. And somehow Jesus is not part of that because they feel those are secular things and not sacred things like um, leading a Bible study or so. But She says that is hindering us so, so much in our witness to the world if we have this attitude. But if we are ready to seize evangelism and discipleship opportunities, wherever they arise, um, we we become so much more... A bright light to the world, so much more salt to the world because we're not just in these little pockets, but we're actually going into each situation with Jesus. So practically for me, that means I walk to the shop. I'm not taking my car where I'm, you know, in my own little space and where um, I have very little interaction with other people, but I pack my kids in the stroller and carry my youngest one. And then I meet a lot of people on the street and opportunities for conversation arise. Um, I am, although I'm an introvert, I am getting excited when, for example, recently a guy had to come into our house uh, to install the internet I've never seen that guy. I'm probably never going to see him again. But here he comes into my house. um, And of course, I'm going to have a little chat with him. I'm going to, you know, just as my life is full of Jesus, naturally, at some stage, Jesus is going to come out in our conversation. If he asks me, you know, anything, oh, where do you... Did you recently move here? Yes, we moved here from Japan. We lived in Japan because we wanted to live in a country where people do not know Jesus and have very little opportunity to hear about Him. And so we moved there and spent our time, um, among the Japanese people. Oh, okay. And immediately he knows I'm a Christian. Immediately he, um, you know, sees that that, um makes me do kind of crazy things like moving to the other end of the world and learning that language. And in that particular case, he didn't respond a lot to it. But there have been other cases where either people are Christians themselves, and they're encouraged in their walk with Jesus, or they're not yet Christians, but have been wondering about Christianity, have been been wondering, are there any people still in this modern world who really take jesus seriously and here they meet me and i'm taking jesus very seriously and yeah it is again that principle of sewing broadly um that you can check out in another episode but um in order to sow broadly we have to overcome that sacred secular split in our thinking in our life in our lifestyle And lastly, in order to have a discipleship lifestyle, be okay with not being perfect. I see in myself that I often um, disqualify myself from witnessing to people or from discipling people because I think, yeah, but I blew it yesterday. I... um, you know, I am not running my life <laughs> in the way that I think is the greatest um, witness for Jesus, I, whatever, you know, didn't do this perfectly, didn't do that perfectly, even silly things like, my house doesn't look perfect, my house is a big mess, and therefore, um, well, you know, at times my house is a big mess, <laughs> Um at times my house is a big mess and in those times I am not so eager and excited for people to come and visit me and um, speak about the gospel or a disciple them because I'm a little bit ashamed maybe that my house is um, showing that three little people live in it. But if I want to really have that lifestyle of disciple making where I invite people into my life and then I must also be okay with them seeing my messes and my imperfections. But I believe that that is actually amazingly fertile ground for discipleship relationships. Because if people see my imperfections that I am working on with, with you know, the grace of God, then... I think that that just creates an amazing atmosphere for discipleship. And it also puts the focus on Jesus, who is perfect, and not on me. And it doesn't become a performance thing, it doesn't become a hypocritical thing. But yeah, doing life together. All right, this has become a very long episode. I hope you are encouraged. To take steps to, um, yeah, set up your life that you can have a disciple-making lifestyle. Now, lastly, I want to say, I'm. I've I've been speaking a lot about simplifying in this episode, and I think um, that is really necessary for many of us who have very full lives to simplify their lives a little bit in order to make room and create capacity um, for disciple making. However, let me be very clear. I don't think that we should ever simplify the gospel, that we should ever simplify the Lordship of Jesus. So, um, I think in a way that goes without saying, but I just want to make that very clear. Um, And that is also what we're going to focus on a little bit more in the following episodes to just look again. How did they preach the gospel in the New Testament? And what response did they expect from people who wanted to become Christians and who wanted to make Jesus their Lord? What that that practically look like and what should that practically look like for us and for the people that we're discipling so we're going to dig a bit deeper again in the next few episodes I'm going to have my husband Hanu on again and we will be speaking about baptism again in the next episode I am looking forward to that and hope you have a really blessed time until then, bye bye